All right. Give me a give me a check one two there, buddy. It's mm. Check one two. Yo yo. Check three. Give me the pie. Mm. Yeah. Three point one four one five nine right. two six five. <laughs> okay, that's that's enough. Yeah. Mm. No. As I was saying before I started, I, I press record. By the way, welcome to this road <laughs> is mine featuring uh, Kara Kendricks and his. Uh, Offspring. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> the offspring. Uh, yeah, actually, the offspring. Uh, Apparently, they're making yeah, a comeback. They are, yeah. I just read an article about them. I don't remember where or why. And I, well, I didn't read it. I actually skipped by the article. No. Yeah. Uh, I like the offspring. They were really cool when they first came out. It's slightly I, refreshing, but. I've only heard what they played on lithium. Mm. That's all you need to hear. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I th- what's that one song? Something about getting a job. Yeah, why don't you get a job? Yeah, yeah. they had that. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah. They had uh, uh, Come Out and Play was like one of the first ones. Cause, and you'd like that one because it has that, that weird lick. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so it'd be some, it. some sort of a nerd thing. Yeah, it'd cool. be some mode, <laughs> mode or whatever. Um, like yeah, for sure, exactly. Um, but yeah, and, and so the whole point of a, of, a, of a when you're doing like a check thing is to make sure that the, the levels are right because you don't want to get the, the clipping on the thing. So you want to, like when you're... When it's time for you to do a sound check, you want to make sure you're being very, um, very firm, like like mm. ag- it, or purposeful. I think would be the yeah. term that uh, the plebs would use. Um, purposeful, yeah. Purposeful, <laughs> yeah, because you want to make sure that that, that uh, the per, the sound engineer is getting a, an appropriate signal. Yeah, uh, that would be indicative of perhaps the your performance. average performance. Yeah. yeah, maybe not at your peak. I know, uh, you know, like some guys like this and that. But usually, what happens is after you do a sound check and you get all the line checks or whatever. Um, then you start playing. Everything's about twenty five percent louder. Yeah, so <laughs> that's what makes sense. A lot of sound guys will like get you to, like perform, and then they'll like turn it down for a while. Yeah, you, yeah, but, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, but that's what we're doing here. And uh, we've also changed mics here, so hopefully you're liking mm-hmm. that too. Uh, yeah, try not to move it too much because I don't sure. have one of those bases with the um, like I. And maybe it's just because these new headphones I'm rocking here, I can hear everything. But could uh, be. Uh, you know, yeah, I was just making sure that it's I'm not too close because when I tried your headphones, I could hear myself breathing. Yeah, well, no, they're so they're picking up very well. I mean, we're we're rocking uh, we're rocking some ghetto setup here with this podcast, but it's been fun, you know. I like and it. Yeah, yeah the, uh, the the production levels are pretty minimal. But we actually got uh, my friends and I got our podcast recorded. Oh, did you? Okay, <laughs> yeah. good. Did you? Were you able to do it here? We did the, it on uh, the guest user. Okay, I just let, because Daniel's good with computers. Okay, stuff, you figured so it out. Good. Just, yeah. yeah, I'll set you up a, a thing sometime because it's not hard. I mean, I I actually make it much harder than it needs to be. Mm-hmm. Mostly though, due to the video. So if you were listening or checking us out on YouTube, you can see our, uh, our uh, well, my ugly mug. Uh, Cohen's fairly uh, decent mug, actually. But uh, mug? It's a code for face. It's a oh. Sp- yeah. So oh. almost with face. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Thanks. Uh, yeah, no problem. So, yeah, we're going to we're gonna bang out a couple here. So the next episode, uh, we're going to record concurrently or, uh, or no, consecutively, I believe, is the, the word I'm looking for. But uh, uh, Cohen's going to be going to a uh, jazz school here coming up. Well, music school uh, based yeah. on the New York jazz uh, approach. And so he's been digging into some of his own... Doing his own homework on jazz recordings, and this time we're going to talk about uh, the Dave Brubeck Quartet's album "Time Out," um, featuring the songs uh, "Take Fives on there, if I yep. recall. What else is on that album? Uh, well, my favorites are, of course, "Take Five, uh, Kathy's Waltz. Oh, okay. Which actually made it come back. Somebody remixed it, and it on, circulated on, on the yeah, yeah, of course, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm not on TikTok, but someone whom I know. Was on mm-hmm. TikTok and I often heard it. Um, like, oh, that's kind of cool. Um, uh, <laughs> Strange Metal Arc is very cool. Okay, um, but it's all all very good stuff. Um, 
What year did that come out? 59. Okay. Yeah, yeah. definitely the golden age of, uh, of jazz, if I recall. Yeah, if you're watching. Seems like yeah, it. Well, and it. so I was just actually reading the inside, and I didn't realize how uh, influential this was on uh time signatures in yeah. music well it, because I, I think sense. it probably helped that it was in the title wasn't it was it was it in five or like, uh the, yeah, yeah yeah take five is in five yeah okay. <laughs> which yeah. is pretty cool um time out and you know there's a lot of weird time signatures like i was yeah. it says the first songs in nine eight okay which is uh i think one youtuber music youtuber i watch i think he says nine eight is like his favorite odd time signature to groove with well rush did it a lot in 9 did they or not like probably well, i mean because it's a five and a four isn't it so it, it doesn't yeah it's it not as jarring to the listener yeah like it depends on how you count it really i mean even in five i think because it says that uh it in here it, they were saying for take five that it's in five which is um they say it's one of the like yeah, it, one of the most defiant time signatures in all music for performer and listener. Like, it's actually one of my, okay. it's probably my favorite odd time signature is five. Because it's, it's just, it's obviously just four with an extra beat. So it's really, adds a lot of opportunity. And Well, yeah, but and, it's not so jarring that it, it yeah. disturbs the average listener. Yeah, and yeah. like popular examples. Uh, I remember when I was just thinking about this before we started, the the Mission Impossible theme is in five. Sure. Yeah. And I remember yeah. when I realized that actually was in grade seven and we went to uh, walk to the movie theater and that new Mission Impossible movie came out and I was yeah. listening to it, counting the time signature as you do. Cause I was like, that doesn't sound yeah, right. As one does when yeah. you're going to a movie. I was movie. like, Oh wow. And I, and I, but I, you know, I was very young and I wasn't super into theory at that time super not super into it and i was like oh is that right? wow i'm so and i was so proud of myself for <laughs> finding that um but yeah it's not something that people would just think about but that's why it sounds good is it's the the rhythm and the melody i actually watched a whole video breaking down why it's it is the way it is and and the different ways it could have been and why the way they did it is the best way like for the mission impossible theme yeah, yeah well yeah i mean it's one of the most iconic themes of all mm-hmm, time definitely um i always just assumed that that it was partly because I mean, obviously it does create suspense, but that's also due to the like the push of the shots kind of mm-hmm. against the beats. But um, it's it, it's short enough where it's a pattern that you can remember. Dun, yeah. Dun, 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 dun. So it doesn't require a lot of like memory of where am I at in the scale or, mm-hmm. or in the you know which which bar am I on? Yeah, exactly. In in the arrangement, but um, yeah, uh, I I'm definitely uh, a fan of like or or curious around like why certain time signatures are used at least yeah. beyond our traditional 4/4 or 3/4 of course is one of the oldest i think when it comes to like because it's a waltz, the waltz. right yeah so, and that's actually exactly what it said it this was one of the first probably not only jazz records but records in general that broke out of a standard 4/4 and a 3/4 waltz okay um it made it mentioned 3/4 as well not just 4/4 um, okay and the song Kathy's Waltz, I think, is just, it said it was just in four, which was like one of the only songs that was, if not the only. Um, yeah, yeah, it has a lot of really cool uh, strange metal lark. Uh, like the whole, uh, it, this, and it's the original liner notes that, that they say that, and it's basically just yeah. a, a brief breakdown of the time signatures, Yeah, um, which is pretty cool. Well, it is, and I, this this harkens back to a time when, uh, record covers, record sleeves, record jackets, artwork—not not just the artwork, but the um, 
there would be like essays written on yeah. the, on the backs of them. Like you wouldn't even well, need to open it to read it. Like it's super. I, I mean, I always find it super fascinating when they're doing stuff like this, and it's done well and methodically, and it's yeah. you know it's before. I mean, I actually don't know how much that stuff would have been studied at the time. Oh yeah. Probably, pro- probably a quite a bit. Amount. Yeah. Um, in fact, probably like, more because yeah, really it's rock and roll that kind of ruined everything. Right. It, it yeah. took or, or, or enhanced it, depending <laughs> on how you look at it. But yeah. uh, music was uh, an art form, but it had structure of composition and arrangement and instrumentation, which there was a very definitive flow of, um, like the progression between you know strings and then horns and jazz is what kind of flipped it all around and mm-hmm. uh, and then opened up the experimentalization is that a word I don't know I just made it up but yeah experimentation you know, experimentation yeah. experimental <laughs> blah, 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 blah. yeah yeah, yeah. Um, oh, I was gonna say something actually uh, oh yeah and actually yeah, I just thought of this because we were just talking about Big Mouth and the Ghost of Duke Ellington yes but, um, <laughs> the Ghost of Duke Ellington has a really great quote he's like. Andrew, jazz is like life. Um, you don't know what's going on. And once you finally figure it out, or, or no, uh, oh, now I can't remember. <laughs> I ruined it now, but it was like, yeah, yeah. Uh, you don't know. Uh, what, yeah, you don't know what's going on. And b- by the time it's over, you just got the hang of it. Yeah, <laughs> well, that's true. Yeah, <laughs> oh, 20 minutes like, later in some songs. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it's like, okay, now I understand what's going on. And then it's over. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Well, the, yeah. The, so for my, my journey, of course, I, I came to jazz like most proper music I, I came to them backwards through rock and roll so mm. uh, my first introduction to what I would call jazz would be Pat Metheny mm, yeah. because he was you know like the rock star of the jazz totally. 70s world uh, through his work of course with Joni Mitchell uh, oh, yeah. or uh, oh boy I don't want to speak out of turn yeah I think he well, I mean, Jocko was definitely with with. Uh, yeah, that was on. Um, he was on the first like Bright Size Life. That yeah, was like the first yeah, Jocko record. Exactly. Yeah. Obviously, it's on a Jocko record, but. <laughs> well, yeah, but everything Jocko touched became a Jocko record, yeah. for better or worse. I yeah. mean, I think it's brilliant, of course, but uh, yeah. there's a lot of people that are like, "No, let's go to Stanley Clark because mm. he was at least a little more sympathetic to the arrangements and the." Yeah. Um, but yeah, that being said, I mean, yeah, Jocko was in. He's the iconic bass playing rock star, of course, and and Pat Metheny. So that that whole, I guess they call it fusion sort of i guess yeah. that's where i came through i ended up with a copy of uh, uh bitches brew by miles davis on cassette when i was young and i mm-hmm. uh, have listened to that a few times over the years and i'm always I actually in awe of it i think that was a record i started and that one didn't grab me well yeah so it, much, and it may never i don't yeah. know like uh like the song Ferris dance is the i think the first track and i always like remember that one because it took the whole side and it was like really cool yeah um but you know a guy like miles I think you'll get into that more in school. I, I assume, I, I don't know, I guess. Well, another, another one I started listening to was, um, uh, is it Alice Coltrane. Well, yeah. Alice worked with Santana. As okay. Well. Yeah. yeah. Cause yeah, I listened yeah. to that one. I started that one. It was, I'm realizing I, I seem to have a bad habit of starting and Gee, like if player, I'm in right? the car and then not finishing with her. Well, jazz is so long, right? Yeah. I mean, it, it was like five songs too. the yeah. the record, but, um, yeah. Anthony Fantano, aka the Needle Drop, aka Internet's busiest music nerd. Oh, there you go. Yeah, um, mm-hmm. said that it's like one of the coolest, most experimental jazz records, and um, I do uh, respect his opinions. Um, mm-hmm. I think he's 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 got. I mean, he's put me onto some really cool music, uh, which yeah. is super super awesome. Sure. So I thought yeah. I'd try that out. You need that, yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah. The, um, you know, so that so my yeah my intro- introduction to jazz has been 
through those channels and then backwards. Mm. But I, you know, I, I, I had, I had a hard time with it to be honest, yeah. like for a long time. And I still don't listen to it a lot. I, I, if I do listen to some of this more classic stuff, it's more out of, uh, almost more of an academic approach. Like I just, mm-hmm. I know I should listen to this. Therefore I do. Yeah, but, yeah. uh, again, like I always say, when I, the first time I heard Joni Mitchell blue, I got it, even though it was ages, same with mm. kind of blue by Miles Davis. Yeah. For some, I was like, okay. And, and same with the love Supreme by John Coltrane. Yeah, I don't you read know. about them, you hear about them, and then when you do finally hear them, you go, "Okay, that, now I get yeah. it. This is this is what's yeah. this is what's up." And, when did and you like not that long ago? Like, like when did you get into Pat Metheny? Like, well, Metheny, I was super young, right? Cause yeah, because you got the records. Yeah, I had records, and uh, I, and that's you know again that how he, but he was it. I mean, and then of course it would it. I helped. <laughs> <laughs> what a great episode, everyone! Check this out. And there's there's no espresso in my uh, in my frappuccino mm. that I'm drinking, which is even worse. But the, the connections through Matheny, and then of course his spirit brother is is Bruce Hornsby, who we mm-hmm. killed at nauseum. But I've always been intrigued by the guys that kind of flirt on the edges of popular music, yeah. but are just odd enough to not fully immerse or to or to sell out. Where see, I lived through the era in in the mid to late '80s where. Um, soft jazz was an 80s thing big time soft jazz. yeah so it was exactly what you'd think it is you just take jazz and then you add a bunch of water to it and then right it's, right <laughs> it's still kind of jazz but so kenny g was a very popular uh sax player and mm-hmm. just just awful like like just pap like yeah he's a talented dude i from what i can see although Matheny, he's so he's so arrogant he's he oh, called yeah. he called kenny g out right away he's like dude you play sharp stop it like oh, he, yeah. i'm like and sadly i mean when you're that good i guess you can tell yeah. anyone that they're yeah. they're lame because you're the best but um so there was a phase of so you know quote unquote jazzy music kind of got a bad rap um but you know it, it <laughs> on the other hand like hardcore jazz, like the like the Ornette Coleman stuff that is, you know, very experimental, almost unlistenable at times where mm. where everything is so dissonant that it's not even really musical. Um, yeah. You can you can enjoy it or you can uh, or admire it maybe as a as a fellow musician, but it's Oh, I think it's important to at least experience it. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, definitely like uh I think you can kind of tell when something is weird for the sake of being weird um and i think that's kind of what what breaks through uh when like a song like take five like it said uh, and it even said that everyone was surprised that it became such a huge hit because yeah. you know the jarring time signature yeah whatever yeah. but um i think if it's still art and if yeah. if it's well you know like if there's lots of modern art pieces like uh that taped banana to the wall that sells for millions of dollars like that's just weird for the sake of being weird yeah whereas you know if you actually have an idea that's in a time signature like like take five i assume was something like that you know um and experimenting with it and they actually they're not just doing it to be weird and to you know yeah you can people you can kind of just tell i think it's not a conscious thing i think so yeah yeah, um, I, I, most people, believe it or not, can actually tell authenticity. Like, yeah. Even yeah. though, um, you know, the your average listener can is not necessarily astute, mm-hmm. they actually can tell when they're being BSed. Yeah. Um, I just actually watched a, a YouTube video about that. Um, I can't remember who did it, but it was about basically the four quadrants of, of like when you're marketing uh, basically art or like mm-hmm. music or TV to people. 
um, what their kind of what their values are and and where they where they lean and but the good common thread among all of them is they know when they're being BSed. Um, yeah. Well, I don't know. That's why yeah. those songs that we make fun of, like I the, was, the Florida Georgia Line lyric thinking, video. <laughs> I was literally just gonna say to me that's such a slap in the face, like. Like we're literally just gonna put our, our lyrics on the video for you. Like it's it's either they're they're just you know they don't get it, like they don't see the irony in what yeah. they're doing, or they're just that brilliant that they're like, you know, we can literally slap this in your face and you're not and you're gonna eat it up. Yeah, I, you know, I, 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 I feel like I feel like they're somewhere in the middle. <laughs> I, I think it's even even a C or three. I, I think it's even different than that. I think. Could, yeah, I think they are being genuine. Honestly, I think. Yeah, they believe, seem like genuine. when they say, baby, you're a song. You make yeah. me want to <laughs> yeah. roll my windows down and cruise. I think they mean it. I think yeah. they're like, yeah, let's let's hop in the truck and uh, get, uh, you know, suntans and beer cans and like all yeah. those crappy, w- but I think they're into that. Like, yeah. And yeah. I, I totally respect And that. if you come yeah. from a small town and you did that for like six months in your youth, yeah, it's kind of fun. That and that's, summer. Yeah. that's what, yeah. that's what, uh, I think, you know, a lot of people can relate to that and that's good then, you know, well, as, it as is. long as yeah. it's like, um, if people like it, I mean, what am I to say? Yeah. I mean, it's not for me, yeah. but. Yeah, that's, that's I've, cool. I've tried to take that out too. Of course, it's it's hard sometimes, like too. But there was garbage music at the same time. The you know, Brubeck mm-hmm. was out too. I mean, you look at some of the like itsy bitsy teeny weeny yellow polka dot bikini. There were these yeah. songs that were just throwaway pop ditties even then, and there still is now. Yeah, uh, and that's okay. I mean, that's that's just the the dream. But we we need people like you know like our Brubecks or mm-hmm. you know Miles Davis uh, or. Uh, Coltrane, whoever it is, you know, we uh, they to push these envelopes musically, yeah. and uh, there will always be camps where I think you know we we prefer quote unquote the finer things, and they mm-hmm. will be into that. And then there's the other people that yeah, that Kenny G has some nice music. I'm going to buy that for my CD and play, yeah. or for my CD player and you know, yeah, and let her let her buck. So yeah, that's uh, that's how it goes. There was a time like even in the film industry, like where if you did television, you were either selling out or your career was over. Mm. Um, if you went from movies to television, you could yeah. go the one way, but not the other. Now everyone's jumped back into television because yeah. movies suck or they're so arty now. Like well, uh, Bill Maher just did the the thing where, because like if you look at the top 10, like the movies nominated for best picture, like he oh, like, yeah. are we all like everything, everything's about like the Black Panthers and well, somebody's they, dying and you know. yeah, now there's like criteria you have to meet to get a grant. Oh yeah, of course. And it's all a whole other discussion. It's affirmative again. Yeah. Um, uh, that that actually reminds me of Bill Maher because he did Religious, obviously, and yeah, that which reminds, I didn't like, by the way. I, I love no, Bill Maher, but I did not. I like didn't that watch movie. it, yeah. but um, I mean, yeah, I think I don't know his attitude towards his atheism, <laughs> uh, but I mean, you know, uh, like a lot of the I like to make fun of the enlightened atheist redditors that are, you know, oh yeah, you know, they're because they're atheists, so they're better than everyone. And I mean, I think oh, yeah. we all have that so phase. Smart. If not, you're stuck in the eighth grade. Well, you should, <laughs> you should be agnostic, even if you're a good Christian or yeah. or, or Muslim or whatever you well, are. And yeah. There's that quote I talked about on the mental health podcast about the Illuminati. Then yeah. the actual Illuminati and the guy who made it yeah. said. Uh, religion and science should go hand in hand and not be competitors. Of course, yeah. And I think that's really important. And actually, that kind of does tie right back to all of this because you, mm-hmm. you need people that push the limits. You also yep. need people that are just trying to be good people and follow their their muse or their spirit animal. And it's... Yeah. 
Um, it's not exclusive. I mean, of course, yeah, ultimately you can't prove a lot of things that, you know, that we like to think are faith. Um, mm-hmm. uh, well, see, it's proved. Well, no, it's not proved at all, but yeah. there are so many unexplained things that I until mean, we actually know the answer. <laughs> I don't think it would be, I don't think you can have faith if there's proof. Because if it's proof, yeah, then it's a fact. Yeah. So well, yeah, and yet, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> man yeah. walked with dinosaurs four thousand years ago it's on true, yeah. <laughs> in some museums. So yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, maybe we should just talk specifically mm-hmm. about this edition. So yeah, we got you this for your birthday uh, timeout. So it's got uh, it's a two vinyl uh, Dave Rubeck timeout, um, and it's it's mono and stereo. Um, have we talked about the differences in the mix? Or maybe about? not on the podcast, but I know that. From a very young age, because you had the Beatles in that's mono, right. yeah, and nice, yeah. yeah I haven't so. failed that. That's your <laughs> that was the white one, and yeah. Then the black one was stereo. That's right, and, which was yeah. the more popular one, and it was all the 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 black um, Beatles box was actually mastered a little differently too. It was mastered oh, yeah. a little more louder and compressed to keep up, so it sounded more modern mm-hmm. compared. To, so you could play a Beatles song on your playlist next to a green day song and they wouldn't sound too out of place yeah um so that's another key component of of this of record making but uh, yeah back in the day up until the late 60s most most people listened to music in mono um so one speaker yeah coming out of a little radio or on the dash in their vehicle or or even in their homes like they would have like maybe a little record player or whatever and just had the one speaker but the advent of stereo came where you had a left channel and a right channel and um, they it commonly was only used in like classical, I think, to create more oh, yeah. of a the feeling of um, you know that you're in in the room in the yeah. auditorium listening in the theater listening to to the piece. So they would pan things a little bit over here and a little bit over there. Uh, and then of course the the Beatles didn't actually get involved in stereo mixing until uh, basically until Abbey Road. Um, okay, they before that. They would be high, heavily involved in the mono mix, and then they would allow the engineers to just do a stereo mix. Yeah. Um, and then what also ended up happening at certain times is they would do a stereo mix, and then they would do a fold down mix. So they would do the stereo mix, and then they would just push them together, and then it would end up being in mono if you if you just put all the channels together if you just right. sum them out. Um, but the the idea of mono versus stereo, you can actually be tricked into thinking that an album is better than it is or a song is better than it is if it's in stereo because it sounds cooler yeah it creates space but it can still be a pretty crappy song so there's sort of that rule of thumb that says like if you can mix it down in mono because look at how we're listening now our phones mm-hmm. are well actually some of them are now stereo actually but yeah the speaker ones at the bottom and top but um really we went right back to listening to garbage audio quality for a long time and yeah uh, so we we've had to now master new music or mix it and, and, and master it to all these different formats and, and all these different uh, listening uh, scenarios. Have you ever been in a store when all of a sudden you hear like part of the song, but you can't hear the whole song? Like, you know, yeah. Like, oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, that's because yeah. like one speaker is running the right and then over on the other end of this. Uh, oh, the I store, didn't even the other think speakers about over that. There. That's yeah. funny. Yeah. So they're not even <laughs> thinking about yeah. the listener, right? Yeah, that's, that's funny. Even FM radio, actually, some AM used to be stereo, but later on but yeah uh, fm so you'd have just right through the air if you're in your car stereo yeah. you'd have left and right God, yeah. so these are i mean these are pretty uh not not necessarily technical but very nerdy comparisons so like some will say though that like listening to timeout in mono is a different experience on listening to it in stereo mm-hmm. um 
and that could be true. I don't know in, the, in this in particular on this one, but the mono mixes on the Beatles ones were um, they were a little bit different because a lot of us grew accustomed to listening to the, the the stereo mixes because if you grew up you know in the eighties or whatever, then the, the of course they put the stereo ones on the CDs. Mm. Um, they actually had to remix. I think it was um, Help and Help and Rubber Soul. I think oh, yeah. ended up having. They're, they were actually mixed in stereo back in the day, and they were kind of like they were experimental mixes. So they were kind of they they weren't the intended mixes that the Beatles wanted us to hear. So they right. actually were shelved. You can get them now. They are actually tacked onto the mono uh, discs, but yeah, um, they were remixed for the '87 compact disc reissues, and mm-hmm. um, and those mixes are great. But they're just kind of straight up, um, you know, mixes like nothing. There's nothing weird about them at all. No yeah. weird panning or anything. So it, oh, it, yeah, it, and it's all about the listener experience. And yeah, and like for Time Out, I'm not familiar enough with the just the songs in general. Yeah. Uh, at least not for, for my standard of being familiar with it. Yeah. So I probably wouldn't notice a difference. I, I don't even think I've done the mono yet. I've just done the stereo. Well, it's funny, though, but what you listened to it on was probably it's on that little thing, right? That little yeah. C- yeah, which I probably well, it could be stereo, but because yeah. if the speakers are kind of close to each other anyway, you don't really. Yeah, notice exactly. It. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think there is a big, I think I've always thought there was a big difference between the mixing. Like I think mono to me sounds more hollow. Well, yeah, it won't be as, as brilliant, but to do a really strong mono mix, um, is harder because Mm -hmm. you're working with the frequencies. You're going to learn all about this in school too, but like you have the, the frequency spectrum and then and then with one speaker you're you're fighting against you've got all these different instruments and voices and things and they're all um competing for your mm-hmm. listening space right yeah that's why phil specter if you do a deep dive into his productions uh, i mean some will say oh he he overproduced and yeah. i mean he kind of did but at the time you know they only had four tracks to work with or eight tracks maybe at the end of his his heyday but he would have like three bass players in the room yeah. like and, and in, because he couldn't mix later it was all okay we got to get all of these people in the to give us all the sounds i need and i need to hear it all through one speaker because up until the late 60s or early 70s even everyone was listening on one speaker it needed to come out it needed to sound like an orchestra it needed yeah. to like grab the listener's attention uh through one little tiny speaker yeah, and he was able to make these masterpieces. That's why they, they called it the wall of sound. It was his production style was the wall of sound. It was, there was so much going on, but he, you know, it still started with a great song and a great singer for the most part. And then all these amazing players all arranged in this large room. Okay. We're going to get you to move backwards and you come a little bit forward because we've got this microphone here and we're going to, get you all to play this song all at the same time and we're going to, but then they create a masterpiece that lives on for, for infinity now. Yeah. And nowadays we have the technology to do one little piece at a time and we can bring Mm -hmm. it all together and create these perfect little, little uh, productions. Yeah. And I think a lot of the, um, what makes music and art in general, uh, like the imperfections, like, Oh, I think there's, is it a country song? lyric all your perfect imperfections oh or yeah something that's like that. yeah yeah but uh in art i think it's very applicable like yeah. and even we were just talking about like archer or cat mm-hmm. like just like the fact that he's got a little bit more white on one side of his nose just makes it so yeah. much cuter yeah he's so cute um <laughs> and uh but yeah like the and i think even talking about um 
a while ago we were talking about Green Day, uh, American Idiot. Mm -hmm. Um, Whenever I'm listening to Give Me Novocaine, I always, at the end, it's the drums are like, he's trying so hard to stay in time, but it's like... It almost apart, sounds yeah. prog, but it's not. Yeah. But I'm like, oh man, but like it, I I would I wouldn't have it any other way. Of like course, I, yeah. Because it, you just know that it's real. Yeah. Um, and it's not like you know they could probably fix it and make yeah. it straight, but it's it's just robotic at that point. And, well, like, and that that's the problem with with digital recording is that it because you can make it perfect, people try, but mm-hmm. things do lose their spark at yeah. a certain point uh and, and and that album was made at a time where they could have fixed that quite easily yeah. but they chose not to and that's yeah. okay yeah that's a great thing yeah it's great there uh and digital mistakes are uh i was just talking to a buddy about this last week um that they're less musical quote unquote so when when autotune first came in and they started fixing um you know, like you'd be able to sing a song and then they can actually go in and like fix the pitch mm-hmm. um you know it they're if, if you're not running the software properly, or if you're not listening close enough, at least it used to be this way, it would catch the note and it would correct it, but it would be, it would correct it so quickly that it didn't sound very musical. Yeah. So it, it lost, a, it just, it didn't. So that's a mistake in yeah. my opinion, but it didn't, it's not a good mistake. Well, another thing too is like, if it's correcting and I, and I'm just saying this because I actually don't know how that would work. Cause I'm just thinking about it now is like, what if you're on a on a note that doesn't sound right, but you want it that way? That like. okay? <laughs> I, I went through this, so yeah. I I actually just for myself, I I sing a little bit flat. Okay, and it, I I believe that it's intentional. I think it's just based on the influences that I've had. It's just a little bit under the note, but when I record, because basically everything everything gets run through some pitch correction because mm. it's ju- it's just better. It, but I my stuff gets shifted. Like I can hear, so when I hear my own singing back in in the final version, it sounds sharp to me, but it's actually on. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. So it's jarring for me just as a musician that knows my voice and knows my playing style. Uh, Slide too, like slide players will play up to the note and then sometimes they'll play a little bit flat or a little bit sharp, but that's what makes the difference between a slide guitar player too, is how much time they spend above or below the actual note. Yeah. Uh, I prefer to be a little bit behind. Like that's definitely like, like little George Bonnie Raitt was like mm-hmm. always a little behind. They would rarely go sharp. Right. Um, yeah. That's where I come. I, to me, that's blues. Like that's, yeah. that's, that's soul as feeling, but yeah. In it, when the, when the machine grabs you or grabs your notes and fixes them. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's weird. Yeah. And, and you can actually correct, you can change that too. You, well, you can like, adjust the sensitivity of it or whatever. I, I assume it just goes by Hertz. Like, yep. like, because yeah. I don't remember exactly what it is, but I think like middle C on a piano is like 420. 440. Yeah. Is it 440? Or no, 440 is A. I'm sorry. Yeah. So something yeah, around is, there. Then, yeah. 440. Yeah, something. 447. Or um, yeah. So I assume it would just go by by the sense or whatever. Because yeah. when I'm doing my uh, ear training um, and I have to hum notes, I'm, a- I'm actually always sharp a little bit by like mm-hmm. by like 20 cents, I'm, which is probably quite a bit, but yeah. I'm not trained so funny because and i'm always flat so yeah if if i'm if i'm told like from my from my pitch memory if i'm if somebody says uh hum me that song or hum hum a note to me Mm -hmm. cold and you check it it's about half a step off i'm usually half a step below yeah like from the actual key from what it should be yeah yeah. it should be yeah that's that's cool close but it's yeah i'm usually flat yeah so i don't know there could be a whole psychology around that it could be just random i don't know the music we listen to it could be, yeah, I don't know. I'm not sure, but uh, 
Well, and I guess even if you think about like um, when people are playing, they like slide guitar, even guitar just without slide, and they you use vibrato to go. Mm-hmm. You're, so if you were just on the note, that would be so boring. Well, yeah, it, <laughs> and it is, and you can yeah. hear it every day if you turn on the radio. Yeah, uh, that's in true. fact, like so when auto tune was invented, the the true like the the trademarked version of of digital pitch correction. Uh, it has a vibrato thing on it. You can add vibrato to your, to the note too. So, and you can, you can manipulate it manually or you can allow it, you can give it a range and, and, Mm -hmm. uh, cause (laughs) there is someone I know, uh, there might be a couple of listeners that will know who I'm talking about, but I know that this person does not sing with vibrato. But okay. when you listen to this person's uh, album, <laughs> okay. there's some nice vibrato in there. Really? And it had to have been faked. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, the technology's there. Um, but it's so funny because for all of that, we've now come full circle to where Billie Eilish can just sit there and go, what does she say? Duh. Or she says, uh, yeah. uh, uh, it's true because what's that one song she did? Uh, it's true because I say it's true, or it's just, something like that. Oh probably. my god! Yeah. It's, but yeah, she does say duh. Yeah. yeah. Um, oh no, I think therefore I am. I'm like she's not even singing, oh, it, and, yeah. oh, nor is it rap. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. on time, I guess. I assume she sang it in time, or maybe her probably. brother put it in time because you can, yeah, move notes around. But um, they are experimenting, and these are tools, yeah. just as these dudes and and gals were back, yeah, back in the true. jazz days. Um, so maybe just to get back back on track, just yeah. so, somewhat. So yeah, this is uh, maybe at some point we'll nerd out and listen to the vinyl with mono and stereo. Mm-hmm. I doubt we're going to tell the difference. To be mm-hmm. honest, even with the Beatles, the the mono mixes were not as crucial to me as having uh, less compressed masters when I re- when I bought those. Oh yeah, um, I I was more more um, driven to make sure that I got the mono box because it had what the Beatles more appropriately rep wanted to be represented to our, our ears. They, they were in the room when they were mixed in mono, mm-hmm. um, for most of their albums up to, and including the white albums. So then after that, they, they went to stereo, but, um, well, for mono mixes, I just, I like listening to them. If it's something that I already listened to and I liked yeah. it, um, like the sound garden, I think I mentioned that last time on the podcast too, is like the yeah. sound garden, super deluxe. Yeah. And I was like, oh, sure, I'll listen to because there's some killer songs. Like, let's hear it in the different mix or yeah. like a different producer, like see their take on it. And, yeah. Which is really, I think it's, I like it. Well, that's where Stephen Wilson has come in, right? You know, yeah. From, right. He, he now has been remixing in, in 5.1 surround sound, taking all these old albums, going back to the original masters and creating new, like even better or, di- you know, different, more expansive versions from the regular stereo versions or another, an early version of surround sound was called quad sound. Okay. So two in the front, two in the back. So there was stereo, behind, or stereo rear, kind of like a, a car would be actually, cause he had oh, the yeah. rear and front, but, um, so, uh, deep purple, um, machine head. Oh, okay. Yeah, has a quad good. mix, uh, but you needed either a special reel to reel player or a special, uh, turntable which mm-hmm. would and and an amp to process it into the forward so you can but now you can reproduce a quad mix on a proper 5.1 home stereo or whatever okay. because it has five plus yeah. the sub hmm. um, so there's been always been experimentation of you know there's the the music being played and the voices being captured and then how how it's going to be presented to the listener and the, the yeah. reason that mono mixes kind of matter to older people is because they first heard it in mono yeah so 
they didn't and or and they probably didn't even think about it. It was just oh that's that song. Yeah. But um and then it uh and then it, they listen to it again and it sounds all polished and or it just sounds different. Yeah, they're, they're hearing either they're hearing different things or it just has a different experience because mm-hmm. mono is a little bit more immediate. Yeah. And and there's less trickery going on in our with our senses, right? Because yeah. it's this it's the same in both ears and uh it, it was harder to mix in mono for sure. Um, and that's still the way it is now. It's yeah. far easier to make something sound really thick and cool when it's when it's in stereo. Yeah. And another fun thing to mess around with uh, with like the hertz and stuff is uh, like the because uh, Spotify gives you the option. Then they have those settings of like the frequencies or whatever. Yeah, they have an equalizer in it. Yeah, the equalizer. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I think that kind of. I mean, it's obviously different than stereo and mono, but it, it also adds another layer of your own customization of experiencing an album like i went to i think i even said when i listened to went through a haken album and i was like i'm gonna try a different sound setting and because i'm so familiar with hearing it on i I usually just use the loud setting yeah and i was like sure i'll try a different one and i don't remember which one it was but for me it was like a whole new album and i was like oh my god i could go through every setting and it would probably feel amazing so that, like that loud that. setting is true and and i'm guilty of using it too i uh or there's one and i think in apple it's called late night or whatever i don't but what they do is it it's the most compressed so it like if you if you're in a listening situation where maybe there's a lot of noise okay uh, or you need it like quite loud mm-hmm. it, it it is technically louder but it, it also is compressing it's poking up certain frequencies and, oh, okay. and capping them uh, but therefore then you lose dynamics. So yeah. that's why I remember I used to try and get you to shut your compressor off, pedal off once yes, in a while. Yes, yes. Uh, that. That's more just so you don't get accustomed to playing with, um, w- you You can lose dynamics if you're yeah, playing with it all the time. True. It's also not the end of the world. Um, you can still play with dynamics and have a compressor, but it, it um, dynamics is often a lost art. Whereas again, in these eras, like with these guys playing, they, okay, we're going to play quieter now. And then we're going to play yeah. a little bit louder now. Whereas yeah. we're often accustomed in new music to everything's the same level yeah, all the time. Pop music yeah. is just, you're, it's a force. Uh, there isn't necessarily a lot of instruments now, which I am finding interesting. Like you got basically just a bunch of 808 samples and then mm-hmm. yeah. some sort of synth pad and like bass drops and then that's it. Yeah. So it's sparse, but it's still very compressed and pushed. Yeah. Um, and that's what you would have found listening to Haken is if you take it off a loudness setting and you go to like just some other setting, mm-hmm. you're going to maybe get a little bit more of those dynamics and, and you're yeah. going to hear certain frequencies that may have been kind of capped with the, uh, with the compressor, with the compressing of the, the signal. Yeah. yeah definitely. So yeah, it's, it's all a thing. And this is stuff as a music creator, you're going to find too, like there's going to be a lot of things that you'll, you'll want to try um, or, or that other engineers will get you to try. Mm-hmm. Um with uh with dynamics and, and frequencies because yeah there, there's there's loudness like frequency there's volume which is decibels and then there's frequencies which is your that hertz yeah 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 and that's um yeah that's uh, the art of the, the recording side other other yeah popular albums from that era obviously that, that i'm familiar with is yeah love supreme by john coltrane and okay. uh kind of blue by that um and i'm sure there are many others that you're gonna encounter well the the next one we're doing is four years prior to this from 1955 yeah so. we're gonna we're gonna talk about uh, glenn gold and uh, his uh, original bach variations which he did right before he died again if you i'm not oh. sure how much you read yeah we'll save that for the next one yeah, yeah. so uh yeah we'll put up a little podcast uh little little 
uh, playlist. Throw, yes, throw I some. don't know much. I don't actually know any of thing outside of this album. So I think for Brubeck, yeah. I mean, I, 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 I don't think we'll focus on the on the artist more than maybe we'll think about the era, like that that okay. era of jazz, and we'll yeah. throw some. And and if you've been listening on Spotify, you've already heard some of our select choices in between se- segments of this. But uh, you know, jazz is an important part. It's a very American thing, and uh, there are some Canadian players involved in it too. Like the the famous quote meme from the B movie was when Barry B Benson says, "You like jazz?" <laughs> <laughs> became a meme. Don't know why the so B movie weird. was such a weird. Uh, like it jazz. became such a big meme. Like that was like the uh, the original meme where they was like <laughs> every time they say a certain thing like B, yeah, it speeds up, and the whole movie was like six yeah. minutes if you did that. <laughs> Or, or it would be like, like something with the script of the movie. I don't know why that movie in particular became the meme, God. but oh, or like the so the funny. opening line is like, um, according to all known laws of uh, aviation, bees shouldn't be able to fly, or something like that, and that became a meme. Oh, right. Wow, yeah. Oh, the internet. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> wonderful. Nice. All right. Okay. Well, thanks for listening to this. Road is mine. Uh, my name is Karak Hendricks. With Cohen Hendricks across the table from me, we were just talking about uh, Dave Brubeck Quartet's sure. Time Out. Yeah. If you're watching on YouTube, we're gonna hold that up one more time. This is the. Um, that's a limited edition too, right? Fifteen hundred copies. Yes. Um, yeah. This was one fifty five. So. Okay. Limited edition, first pressing of a thousand. Nice. Oh, thousand. Okay. And uh, who? Well, because yeah, it's out of fifteen hundred, but. Oh right. I yeah. assume because this was one fifty five, it's before a thousand. Yeah, I'm for guessing. sure. Is it? Yeah. Is there? Um, who's the label on that? Or I don't know, because it would have been a. I want to say it was a, a Columbia record, but. It doesn't matter. Yeah, I was just curious. It's it's a yeah. great, great. Yeah, it was the same price as the other one, so I thought maybe as well get yeah, you the well, yeah. can nerd out. The a bit. old cover, I really like. Yeah, that they have it in here. The original cover is very cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's an iconic, uh, iconic cover for sure. They actually have it at Indigo. Nice. Actually, here, just go that way a little bit. Yeah, there it is. Okay, perfect. All right. Well, thanks for listening. Yeah, we'll talk to you soon. Peace, and we out of here from the playground. Peace and love. Okay, peace and love. Peace and.